0: Welcome to Between the Before and After, a podcast about the stories that shape us. I'm your host, Coach John McLernan, and each episode I bring you an inspiring guest with a moving story that shines a light on the power of the human spirit. Before we dive in, I want to let you know about two very important things. Number one, the stories shared here are often gritty, raw, and vulnerable, and very likely will include speaking about sensitive topics suited for a mature audience. Number two, This podcast is also broadcast live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, so on whatever platform you follow myself or Freedom Nutrition Coaching, you have the opportunity to participate in this discussion during the live stream, and we encourage your participation both by commenting and asking questions. And so this podcast is about exploring the stories that take place between the before and after photos, not just in the realm of weight loss, but in all areas of life. So let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode of Between the Before and After. I have a fellow Canadian with me here again today. I've had had a pretty good lineup of Canadian guests recently, which is kind of nice, actually. So, uh, joining me today is Steph O'Leary. And uh, Steph, I'm going to hand it over to you and let you share a little bit about your backstory, where you live, what you do, and then we'll dive into your story.
1: Okay, thanks for having me, John. So, as you mentioned, my name is Stephanie O'Leary. I'm 31 years old. I'm from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada. I am married to my wonderful husband, Mark. We'll be married for seven years coming up in June. Here, yeah. Thank you. Um, And I'm seven year itch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I'm an online health and fitness coach.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Moose Jaw. It's a rather interesting name, actually. I think for anybody like, especially south of the border and Saskatchewan. You know, uh, Saskatchewan is what north of north of North Dakota. That's right. There we go. Uh, so, on, online personal trainer. Um, are you born and raised in Saskatchewan, or where where does it start for you?
1: Born and raised in Moose Saskatchewan. I born here, still here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, the the big part of your story that, of course, I want to touch on today is that you know you were you were diagnosed with um, MS. But uh, what age were you when when you received that diagnosis?
1: I was twenty eight years old. So it's it'll be <laughs> I. It'll be my third anniversary and I call it my anniversary because it's something that I, it's a date I like to celebrate, you know, it's, that sounds a little bit morbid, but it's really shaped me into the person that I am today. And I, I celebrate it.
0: Yeah. That, which is really a remarkable way to approach something like this. Say this is something that's worth celebrating because of how it is molding and shaping me as a human being so prior to this you know what was what was life like kind of going through you know your early 20s you know was there any indication that it could be something off or you know what what brought you to the place where you're like i need to get this looked out looked at a little bit further
1: yeah so actually i had my looking back and knowing what i know about this disease i had my first attack um five years prior to being diagnosed so i was 24 years old it was coming up I was celebrating or planning my wedding um I was Mm -hmm. my first bodybuilding competition and and I think that if it wasn't for how active I am as an individual or I wouldn't notice a lot of the symptoms a lot of the things that were pointing at me that hey, there's something wrong um my very I had my very first attack I the right side of my leg was numb so I couldn't feel my leg and then or no not my leg sorry it was my arm because I thought I had a pinched nerve um, in my in my back.
0: Right. Okay. So that that was your first thought. I hit p- pinch nerve in my back. Like no no inkling that this could be something more at this point in time.
1: No. No.
0: So you're. you're then, oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, and then from there it was the like the numbness in my leg. So I couldn't feel my leg. I had um, numbness up in here. So I went to the doctor. She said, "Oh, m- must be just a pinch nerve." So I did some physio, had some work done. I don't know what he was doing because clearly it wasn't a pinched nerve. Um, and then it just kind of went away after that.
0: Just just kind of disappeared. So um, h- here you are, you know, prepping for your first bodybuilding competition. Now, I'm kind of curious. And, of course, we're looking at this through the lens of hindsight. But do you – because because prepping for a bodybuilding competition is really, really taxing on the body. It's It's emotionally taxing. It's mentally taxing. It's very physically taxing. Is there any thought in your mind that doing something like that may have added to the stress that that could lead to the exacerbation of anything like this?
1: I think so. Looking back, I know that stress is a, such a big um, thing when it comes to MS, like just in terms of making uh, symptoms like flare up. Um, mm. But it's not something that will cause an attack because that's what it's called when there's, you know, a new, a new lesion or something, mm-hmm. um, but it just makes the um, symptoms heightened, I guess you could say.
0: Right. So, um, you, you can't necessarily stop this. it uh, couldn't necessarily have stopped it from occurring, but if, if you're under more duress, you're more likely to experience uh, more severe symptoms when they express themselves.
1: Yes. Yes, it's exactly. And plus right. I was planning my wedding too. Um, so that was a very <laughs> stressful year looking back.
0: So were you trying to time the bodybuilding competition in your wedding? no <laughs> so like i want to be ripped and shredded for my wedding oh no,
1: i just thought it's good let's do this now and then i'll go get married and
0: right okay yeah yeah I, uh, no.
1: and i didn't even end up doing that show that i had planned to do i had pushed it off because of the stress from everything um actually
0: no kidding like that that's actually quite a challenge to try to try to do these things and there, you know we we hear something like bodybuilding competition and i think probably people out there might have an idea in their mind of what what this actually is uh for those who are just listening from audio you know definitely go check out steph on on her um channel uh she's not a mass monster in other words
1: <laughs> a very small person <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> she's 240 pounds and five yeah. Two. Yeah. solid muscle <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but so what what category were you competing or or planning to compete in the
1: bikini comp bikini category so again mm-hmm. not a very big person pretty small not a lot of i mean not like a bodybuilder in terms mm-hmm. of big
0: kind of we could say a, a physique i think i like the term physique athlete yeah. more than i mean i we understand bodybuilding as a term it's it's very it's been a part of cultural lexicon for you know 50 80 90 years kind of thing but i like the idea of a physique athlete you know you're presu- pursuing like a really aesthetic physique what prompted you to actually pursue bodybuilding as a as something to go for
1: so i had been a dancer for uh, since i was 3 and i like to think since i could move because before even starting dance lessons. So I was a performer. I loved okay, performing. Yeah. I loved being on stage. I loved all of that. So when that side of that part of my life kind of wrapped up, it was like, okay, I felt like there was something missing. Right. So I started going to the gym and working out and I like to, to, um, I'm a competitive person too. So mm. I'm like, just kind of seemed like the next step in my Journey, if you will.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. What, what kind of what kind of dancing did you? We're talking like Highland dancing, ballet, uh, hip hop. Um, oh, <laughs> you know, like dance is very broad.
1: Right. That's that's true. Um. So ballet, tap, jazz, hip hop, um, musical theater. I, yeah, all of it. And oh, then musical i musical theater. Yeah. yeah. You can, do
0: you do you sing as well?
1: Um. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Not well.
0: <laughs> not not well. Um, but yeah. So you, you enjoyed that. Enjoyed sort of the artistic, the expression, that kind of thing. But yes. w- when you're when you're doing dance, you weren't necessarily, you know, lifting weights or training for it like it's a physical pursuit. It was just kind of something you did.
1: No, because as I got older, in I think I was like 19 is when I started in the off season of dancing, um, because the dance season runs like the school season. So in the summers, mm-hmm. I actually started. Um, going to the gym and working with a personal trainer to help train for um, my dancing.
0: Okay. Was there potentially the idea of pursuing this professionally?
1: Yes. Yes. I actually went down to New York. I went down to Los Angeles. I did some auditions and that was my plan. You know, I went to high school and I was like, I don't need to study. I'm not going to university. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be a dancer. Right, right, right. right.
0: So So New York and LA, Uh, did you go by yourself? Like uh, 19 years old?
1: Yeah, I went to New York by myself. Um, and then I went to LA with my mom, actually. Um, it was a great oh. experience.
0: Right. What's that like? Because we, we hear about people doing this. And you, so you've actually went and done this. So you go to New York. How do you know where you're going in New York?
1: Well, you know, yeah. I was going to say, I went down to um, work with a, a talent scout, actually. He had a, a week long um, intensive with dancing the singing the acting um it was a crazy experience so i guess i went down there by myself to do that
0: so this this would be really interesting i think in my mind so so you fly to new york you're by yourself no friends with you no no family with you you're literally you're flying solo on a plane get to new york get i don't get a taxi to a hotel or something have you done have you done much international travel prior to that
1: um no not alone anyway i mean i traveled a bit with my family um but nothing by myself and it was funny because Obviously, like going alone. I think I was nineteen years old, but I mean, still, it's a, a big trick to take by yourself. And I remember yeah. my mom she had a a car set up to pick me up from the airport. And we were finding this place. We're driving through wherever in New York, and he couldn't find this place that I was supposed to go to. And so he's like, I'm trying to get me to help him. And I'm like, I I don't know. I've never been to New York. Like, I don't know. And then it was so stressful. I just remember I'm in tears. I'm crying. I couldn't turn on my phone because the data or whatever. And back then, I mean,
0: way back in the day,
1: (laughs) day, like it wasn't just as as simple as turning on your data. Like, so Mm -mm. That was like a stressful start of the
0: the trip. Right. Cause you're like, I, I don't want to get like $8,000 in roaming charges or something. You yeah, know, because exactly. I turned on my phone south of the border kind of yeah, thing
1: for one minute.
0: Right. And you know, it's why I find this interesting. Cause I think there's, maybe sometimes a perception around things like dance and modeling and auditions and things like that, especially when you think about like talent scouts and young females and things like that. Was there any, anything like that, anything, or was it a pretty run, I don't want to say run of the mill, but a pretty standard experience. Like you never, you never felt sort of objectified or unsafe or anything like no. that in that experience.
1: Actually that experience we had to, we couldn't wear makeup we couldn't use a blow dryer a straightening iron we couldn't do anything so me I am a person I love makeup I love to do my hair I love to get dressed up and that we couldn't do that we couldn't have our cell phones they took our cell phones away from us so it was a very humbling experience and looking back I think that that had a really big impact on my life in the like after that you know like (laughs) it was crazy
0: and and what's it like? Like, how many people were a part of this? This is the New York one. How many people were a part of this? Uh, I guess week long intensive.
1: I think there was about thirty people, and then he had also. I was he had chosen. Um, I think there was about five of us that were kind of like the leaders of it. So mm-hmm. I don't. So we went early. We stay. We actually stayed with him at his house prior to the 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 workshop. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So, uh, so you you were one of these leaders then. Hmm. So how did how did you get picked, or did you know this was going to be the case, or was it after day one we go, okay, I'm picking these five people to kind of, you seem like the most responsible or something like that, or how do they decide?
1: I don't even know. So I had met him. He was actually in Moosra. He kind of did a tour around different, went to different dance studios and did a yeah. And I, I can't remember because this was, I don't know, twelve years ago. I guess dating myself. <laughs>
0: right. Right. yeah you're you're so old (laughs) yeah
1: and i think that all i had to pay for was the flight i think Mm -hmm. um and then everything else was included and because i was i don't even know what i did to be different than everybody so
0: (laughs) sure yeah I, i see some potential in you and so i'd like to come down and and do this so um what was it like? Because Moose Jaw, I imagine. I don't know the population, but I imagine what is it like? I don't know, twenty thousand or something like that. Or how big is Moose Jaw?
1: Thirty-five,
0: I think. Right. Yeah. So it, it like it's it's enough to be a city, but it's not a, not really a big thing, no. a big place. You know, it's not exactly a tourist hotspot. I mean, I've been through Moose Jaw, driving through, driving across Canada. We're like, yeah, I'm straight through yeah. the prairies.
1: <laughs> Pretty, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. But then, so then you get into a room with like thirty other people. Are they from like all around North America, or
1: all yeah, all around North America? It's funny because I remember um, a couple of the Americans. They're like, "Oh, you're from Canada. Like, do do you live in an igloo?" And I think we
0: <laughs> were <being> curious. Uh, <laughs> That that's that's funny. That that's still a thing that that sort of travels around. So so, what did it feel like to get into a room with all these other people? So now, because maybe maybe you were top level talent in moose jaw, for yeah, example. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's fair to say. You can say, hey, look, I was really good. I was but one of the best in moose jaw. So now you get into a room with a bunch of people who are at your level or maybe even potentially better than you. What what is that like um, f- for yourself? Is that like a really power, empowering experience, a daunting experience,
1: a humbling experience? You know, and more so when I went to l a did I feel that? I felt kind of um confident if I guess is a good word when I was in New York because and it was probably because I was you know I was kind of what like a leader or whatever, so it wasn't you know, I kind of had like a little bit of a an upper hand, I guess right um, and two, you know people there were people that were singers, there were people that were actors. it wasn't just the dancing side of things so right felt,
0: right, right, okay, yeah. So then uh, what, what came of, so you, you finished this intensive and then kind of what comes of it, as uh, you say like, Hey, cool. Thanks for showing up, fly home. And if I get a, you know, something, I'll give you a call or how, how does something like that wind up?
1: Yeah. It just, that's just kind of, it just kind of wound up. It wasn't, he did have, um, some,
0: uh, like callbacks or
1: what are the uh, people that you don't, he doesn't pay, but they're kind of working for him like
0: an internship or
1: he had some internships and I think that would have been if I wanted to go down that path but that wasn't really something that I it was kind of an experience that it was very uh he's very strict and um I was just happy to be come home
0: you're like okay so that that also maybe put another spin on it like this is something I love to do it's something I'm passionate about maybe I have an innate or natural ability for it but to put it into this kind of pressure cooker is something that would Remove a lot of the joy from what yeah. you do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that wasn't quite the route that I was planning on going down.
0: Right. Okay. So then, uh, how how far apart is like New York and LA? Um. No, not not distance wise. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about you know three thousand miles, give or take. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. there was about two years. So that was uh, that's the summer when I was nineteen, and then it was this October when I was twenty-one yeah
0: okay and so what are you what are you doing in those two years between you know these uh, i guess auditions or talent intensives
1: yeah so just dancing my heart out i at the time i was working for my dad um Uh, i started out as his part-time assistant um uh, and then i was teaching dancing as well
0: okay and when what does your dad do
1: oh he's a financial he's a financial planner um okay yeah
0: Okay. So you're, you're um, crunching numbers, spreadsheets, um, yeah. saying hi to people when they come in the office or. yeah, yeah Just smiling. okay. So kind of, kind of getting a bit of a business but exp- uh, yeah. a little bit of an insight into running it. Maybe you already knew that because he, he's been running this business, but now you're getting more of an inside look into what it looks like to run a
1: business. Like what, what a financial planner actually means. You know, I was growing up, I had no idea what he did for. Like, like he
0: just tells people what to do with money. Give me money and I'll tell you what to do with it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, I didn't <laughs> even know that much.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All so- right. And then, yeah. So then you're dancing and you go, okay, cool. Was it an opportunity? How did you know to go to LA?
1: So when I went to LA, there was another, um, a workshop down there. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Twitch from, so you think you can dance.
0: I have, I've heard, of, I'm like, I've heard of Twitch. We're, we're literally streaming on Twitch. And we've got oh. a couple people watching us <laughs> on Twitch right now. <laughs> hey, everybody who's uh, watching on Twitch right now. Um, <laughs> no. is this Twitch a human being, a character or. Oh, a,
1: he's, a, he's a, like a world renowned dancer. Um, ah, and,
0: I should probably know who he is. Sorry, Twitch.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's probably got like a million plus followers on Instagram, and and so TikTok. basically
0: like a million more than I do. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I he was at this workshop. It was in Anaheim, so it was like a couple day thing. Um, and then I also did my very first like actual audition.
0: Um, okay. Mm-hmm. What What were you auditioning for?
1: I wanted to dance on a cruise ship.
0: Oh, okay. I would think there's like all kinds of opportunities for that.
1: Oh it's, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I I had um, sent away some like video auditions, and then this was like my first in person audition, um, and I fell on my face. Did you? I did. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> like literally, your face hit the stage.
1: Well, my butt hit the stage, and you okay, know, I got up and uh, just kept on going, and yeah.
0: Yeah. So you you just kind of bounce back from it and go, whoops, that happened and carry on. And, and, uh, yeah. So you
1: you, get that job.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I mean, Hey, look, these are high precision movements we're talking about. Like I, all I know about dance is that I'm not good at it. Like my (laughs) wife has like two left feet, two left arms. Like there's just no hope for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you come back from this LA audition and, uh, 21 years old and you go, shoot, I didn't get it. Now what?
1: Well, it was one of those things, it's not like, you know, like I said, I had sent, you know, I was, and I think that making, like getting a career out of dancing, it was always like something that I wanted, but it was something that, you know, I wasn't the kind of person where I went all into something, you know, because I had a lot of, you know, there's fear that holds you back.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So... Yeah, so I was happy with what I was doing. I was happy with, you know, where I was in my life at that point. Um and then fast forward um like a few months later I met my husband. So
0: Okay. And is, is he a fellow, I'm not sure what the denonym for moose jaw is, a moose jawian, a moose jar? (laughs) I'm like, what do you call people from moose jaw? Like we're red deerian. I'm in red deer. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Moose jawian? I don't know. Well, he's not, he's from Ontario. So he uh, moved here to coach hockey. So that's, I met him the first year that he moved here. And then that was kind of like it for me.
0: Oh, ah, that's cool. So like you, you met him and like there were stars in your eyes in the first time you met him oh, yeah. or? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first date we went on, I went home and told my mom, I was like, I think I'm going to marry this guy.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. How did, how, so was it random chance? Was he like coaching hockey and you were coming to watch like the Moose Jaw Warriors play or something like that? Or what was the what it?
1: Well, I was actually doing some promo for the, the others because he was an assistant coach. So the other <laughs> assistant coach. And so then we kind of met through him and we just happened to be, sitting beside each other and we just started talking and it was like, just easy.
0: easy. It felt natural. So it wasn't just that he was like a, maybe he is a charming hunk. I've never actually met him, but (laughs) but you're like, wow, he's not just good looking. He's actually really easy to talk to and get along with.
1: Well, I was, I mean, I wasn't expecting to like meet my husband that night or meet anybody that night. but
0: (laughs) Right. So what, what, what tipped you off that this is, this is somebody that I, maybe you actually want to spend the rest of my life with.
1: It's a good question. I think it was just, easy and we had a lot in common and yeah easy I felt like I could easily let my walls down because I think I like to put them up sometimes
0: right right so you felt you felt like safe around him
1: yeah yeah that's a good word I like that word
0: yeah that's really cool so you went on your first date where'd you go for your first date
1: <laughs> I think it was called Cordova Bistro the restaurant's not there
0: anymore and uh, <laughs> okay
1: yeah
0: and and after that, that that like that's all she wrote like it that's was like wrote. yeah and so he he was he was smitten as well
1: yeah, yeah, obviously. Oh,
0: oh, yeah, clearly. So, uh, what's what's the time between like you guys first date and and actually getting engaged? And because I know you were preparing for your wedding when you're 24, so we're going kind of from were you 21 when you met him as well, or
1: me too? I so yeah, I met him. It was in January or January, yeah, December, yeah, December, and then it was like a year, and we got engaged in March. Um, okay. Yeah, so not too long, especially like only being twenty. What was I? Twenty three when we got engaged. So
0: yeah, yeah. But he it's was. Great.
1: Yeah, he's seven years older, six six years older than me, um, five, five and a bit. Yeah, he's so.
0: he's a few years older. Anyways, yeah, okay. he's a
1: few years older. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, right. So he's also maybe a little more mature, uh, you know, because we know that men don't really mature until twenty eight plus kind of thing. It's just from a brain developmental perspective. So he was actually hitting the peak of like, if he was a give or take 28 years old when you meet him, and it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, perfect. He's, he's like, it's he's like ripe, yeah, <laughs> ripe yeah, for the picking. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: so how, how did he propose to you?
1: Well, he... Uh, or did yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, he asked me to meet him. We were supposed to go to Mexico the next day. And he wanted me to meet him outside of this restaurant, which... He was planning on being the restaurant that we first met at, but long story short, it wasn't. It was another one just down the street. And I remember I was, like, angry. or wasn't angry, but I was annoyed because I had just spent all night teaching, dancing, and it was, like, 10 o'clock at night, and I was tired. I just wanted to go home. And he... He's like, come out in the car. There was snow on the ground. He's trying to get me out of the car. So finally I get out and then he starts his, you know, spiel. And I thought he was breaking up with me. I can't remember. <laughs> that was my first thought. He's breaking up with me before we go on our trip to Mexico. Um but anyways, then he got down on his knee and he, he said, will you marry me? And I was just like, "I oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he's like, can you answer the question? Like, it's cold. Like, I'm in the snow. <laughs> I was not expecting this at all. But he wanted to propose before we went away because he thought that I might think that he was going to do it on the trip, which I absolutely did not. I Again, I was only 23 years old. I right, marriage.
0: But he he had this in the, as someone yeah. who, you know, I remember when I was like dating my wife and like I was I was pretty sure that we were, you know, going to get married. I had it in my head. But once I had that thought, it's like I couldn't really stop thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, I'm trying to think about. And, and so, you know, when I when I was focusing on it, I was like, man, it must be so obvious that this is like on my mind, Grace, you know, yeah. because I was thinking about it all the time. But it wasn't necessarily for her, even though like there was an obvious chemistry again, kind of yeah. when we met. So, so it, it's freezing cold. It's like 10, 10 at night. You were kind of annoyed. You thought he was going to like dump you. And, yeah. just,
1: uh, and I thought you. he would been drink- I thought he'd been drinking, and he just needs me to drive him home now. And <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what? So you, you're having this great relationship. What? How on earth does a thought enter your mind that is? It, is he going to break up with me? What? What made you think that?
1: I think it was something that he said about. I can't remember what he said, but it was something like, you know, I thought that he was saying like he he came here and he like to this restaurant to meet this girl. But I I, I can't remember what he said, but I I just (laughs) remember thinking like, is he breaking up with me?
0: Uh that's so funny the places that our mind goes to. And right. then and then of course he says the exact opposite of what you're expecting. Like I want to commit to spending the rest of my life with you. Mm-hmm. And then your brain kind of goes ah, blah 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 blah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh that that's awesome. So uh 23, 23 years old engaged. Um now were you starting to prep for your bodybuilding competition at this point or? Well,
1: not at this point. Um it was the next year. So I started my prep in January. I wanted to compete in May, I think it was. So that okay. would have given me enough time to get ready for that first show.
0: And then feel like you, you're like ripped and shredded to, to wear your wedding dress and hit a flex yeah, or
1: something you know, like that. <laughs> I wasn't even the thought of like, I'm like, oh, that would be, that's a nice little like side note. of
0: the Sure. Time
1: yeah. Um, and then I just remember it being very stressful. I remember I went on a trip to victoria with my mom and i think that was when i was like i i can't do this because the food side of things is very hard yeah you
0: know, yeah, like- yeah here's <laughs> yeah. your lettuce leaf with a yeah. little bit of like a uh, chicken yeah. wrapped in there yeah. and uh i'm gonna yeah. give you 18 grains of rice very carefully calibrated yeah. and you know yeah yeah, yeah it really yeah. kind of messes with you trying to do that um so, so you decide not to compete, uh, you have the wedding now, but your, your first attack occurred as you, as you say, and you weren't really aware, this is an MS type, this, this pinched nerve that you think you're having, um, prior to your show, prior to the wedding, that kind of thing. Was that, was that also a contributing factor to, you know, maybe I'm training too hard. Maybe I'm pushing my body too hard.
1: No, never thought that. I just, all my doctor said is no pulling movements over your head. And I, and it was funny because, so I had, you know, that uh, actually, you know, looking back, there was a number of things that year, um, I also had vertigo. So I don't know if you're, anyone's not vertigo. It's like, you're dizzy. Like I just remember, and this was like well over a month of just being dizzy all the time. I'm like, how did I drive? I remember I had to go to like work trips in Regina, which is 45 minutes away. And I'm like the things that I did. And, and it's just like a testament to the kind of person that I, that I am, you know, it's like all of these things that happened to me and I just kept on going
0: Mm, you just I mean, you just somehow push through it
1: yeah i yeah, and i you know i remember I went to the my chiropractor because when i had the when my uh right leg was numb, and he said to me, i think you have m s or he said i think he said, you need to go to the doctor, I think you have m s and this was on a Friday, and i remember i I got into the doctor on Monday, but I spent all weekend, I was so upset. I was crying. I was researching MS. And I'm like, I had so many things that yes, like I have MS. Right. And I remember I went to the doctor and she was like, you don't have MS and whatever. I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> but you know,
0: but you went down the Google rabbit, like what a what a terrible way, like on a Friday afternoon when you probably can't get to see a doctor to like, you might have this life-changing chronic autoimmune condition Uh, Go home for the weekend and try not to think about this.
1: Yeah. Try not to worry. And then she's like, you don't have it. I was like, oh, good, good. Because she was referring me to a neurologist. So because it's, you know, it's not for her to, you know, there's obviously uh, many things that you have to do to get diagnosed and it is a hard thing to diagnose. And yeah, she wasn't going to tell me that I
0: have MS. Right, right, right. Uh, So so you were going to see the chiropractor uh, and she just, so you, but prior to this, you had no inkling that like there was not, MS was not on your radar, nothing like that.
1: No, I just had a pinched nerve.
0: <laughs> Going to see a chiropractor and then yeah. you, I think you might have MS. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And when she said MS, did were you even aware of like, what? did you at least have an awareness of what that was when she said it?
1: Unfortunately, I did because I knew a girl and her dad, well, she was, you know, she worked for my dad. So she was um, a, 10, 10 years older than me. So her dad had MS, but he was like in his, sixties or seventies. And he was in a wheelchair and he was blind. That's all I knew about MS.
0: Oh man. Yeah. So, so you here? you have MS and this is what you're picturing. I'm going to go blind and be in a wheelchair.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ooh, that's frightening. Very. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and at this point you've been married for how long?
1: Um, like just either just married or engaged.
0: Okay, so you're you're twenty three, twenty four at this time.
1: No, I would have been twenty five.
0: Okay, so uh, and then okay, we don't think you have MS or something like that because I'm like, that's a what a what a like way to stress test a relationship to say the person that you've just committed your life to just might have a chronic uh, autoimmune condition that's going to deteriorate over time.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know looking back like i don't think that it was something that was a stress on our relationship because it, i'm not downplaying my husband's he's very supportive but like you know during the hockey season like this was on the weekend so i don't uh, you, and i think that it would have to him it was just like okay you don't have ms like or whatever mm-hmm. you know like, right 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 you have it right um it's all hockey. And I, I mean that very sincerely because I know,
0: (laughs) of course it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, yeah.
1: I I don't think that it was as like earth shattering news to him as it was to me. It was just like, we're not going to stress. We don't know anything. This is just what the chiropractor said. You're going to the doctor on Monday. Like it's, it's
0: fine. Okay. And, and so to go through the process, to get to the place that you have an official diagnosis, Mm -hmm. So you're, you're 25. Hey, you might have MS. What does that process look like?
1: Well, so, cause it wasn't until I was 28. So it was actually four years after my very first attack and after fearing like you might have MS.
0: Oh, okay, I, So so there's a huge gap between you yeah. might have MS and actually getting your diagnosis. So yeah. you just thought, okay, maybe I don't have MS and a couple of years kind of go by living your life as normal, um, you know, and then something triggers this conversation again.
1: Yeah. I had multiple attacks. Um, within that time, you know, one of them being, I, I prepped for another competition, um, in 2017 and I don't, and I like with cardio, obviously cardio being a, an important part of the the prep process. Um, I like walking on the treadmill, I have a treadmill in my basement and, you know, I remember I had like 45 minutes of like an incline walk. And, you know, after that, like the back half of that walk, I could like it just felt like I was walking through quicksand and I'm like, this is really weird. And then climbing up the stairs, I'm just like, I could barely walk up the stairs. I'm like, what is guy again? I didn't really think anything of it because I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm low, low calorie, I'm tired and whatever, but
0: right, then, right, right.
1: yeah. But then my next thing that stands out to me was the foot drop. And I remember being at the lake with my husband and we were going for walks and he said, Like, can you pick up your feet when you walk? And I was like, I'm just walking normally. And my foot was like, like you could hear that. And unfortunately, that's something that has stuck with me. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I'm just like, I don't know. So I thought maybe like my legs were like, I just needed to be adjusted. You know, maybe one leg is hard. And then um, he got me to do a couple of things. And I think that he knew, you know, that... something was up thing was up and i'm the kind of person where i'm just like it's fine like it's fine i I, i'm fine you know it's whatever you know just trying to i'm stubborn i don't want to deal with it right right yeah and then fast forward to a couple years later i you know i remember being in the gym and um (laughs) my workouts were fairly intense and i remember just like you know, that my vision would kind of go like fuzzy during my workouts. And That's pretty
0: disconcerting.
1: I, yeah, but I was just like, you yeah, am fine. It's fine. <laughs> and then I remember like, you know, walking and I'm like, geez, I've people like, I thought that I just felt like people, I looked like I was drunk just walking around. I, and I think that people wouldn't notice anything. It was just a, you know, the way that I felt in my body.
0: Mm, you're really in tune to like, kind of like what's going on here or yeah. your body's not moving the way that you would expect it to move.
1: Yeah. Because looking back now, like heat, stress, those are big things. But I didn't, I just, you know, I'm like, this is, this is normal. I don't know. Like, this is normal. we will just be fine. Maybe I just need some salt. right, right, salt in my pre-workout meal or something.
0: (laughs) Right. And isn't this kind of interesting? What we do as humans is... you know, it's almost like a protective mechanism. I don't really want to necessarily come to terms with the actual reality of this. And so I'm going to say, this is normal. This is okay. Um, So the process of actually determining your, your MS diagnosis, what sort of testing do they do? How do they, how do they actually come to like a a conclusive diagnosis where yes, we've now confirmed that you do have MS. What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So um, it's, just fast forward um to right before my diagnosis um working at the office you know um at investors group at the time private wealth management working for my dad um a, a stressful a stressful job obviously mm, yeah. um and you know i remember not being able to walk from my car to my to my office it was like a block i couldn't wear heels so i had to wear flat shoes cuz i couldn't walk in heels i couldn't you know i couldn't type you know like when I was stressed, my right arm, I couldn't, it couldn't function. And fast forward, we went to Ontario to my best friend's wedding and a lot of things happened that, that trip, um, the, the nail in the coffin was when I went for a walk and I, you know, cause that's something you do when you're, you're stressed, you know, you just want to mm-hmm. get out for a walk. And I think I got a half a block and I couldn't, Move my leg. I felt like I was walking through quicksand and my, like I had a big weight on my, my leg I was dragging behind me. And I remember I just sat on the corner and I just cried because I was so scared. I'm like, what, what's going on with my body? Mm. And so, were you
0: by yourself at the time?
1: Thankfully, my husband was with me. And so he's like, well, let's just go back. And he's like, as soon as we get home, you know, we're calling the doctor, we're going to get you in for, cause the, the doctor at that point, he's like, you know, I was on the wait list to to see the neurologist um, and there wasn't really much he could do, but my husband, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to make another appointment. We're going to get in. So I remember went to his office, he called the neurologist while I was sitting there and he said that, you know, we need to get her in. So two weeks later, I went and saw the neurologist. He did a couple like nerve tests. He's like, there's nothing that shows up here, but I want you to get an MRI. So a couple of weeks later I had an MRI and then it was very, very clear that um, I had MS.
0: Now, the MRI, what does it show up? Does it sh- can it show where lesions are?
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, I was just going to say, so it has to be active, right? So you go through periods of time where it's not act active,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: where it just kind of goes away. Not MS doesn't go away, but like the, right. the symptoms that you're having just goes goes away, I guess. Right. Um, so it has to be active when they do the MRI, you know, they, they can see it, um, on the scans, like where it is. And I had a number of lesions in my brain, which was obvious because <laughs> a lot of sh- shit, can I say shit? <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah.
1: A lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on, um, in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So for those who, who might not be that familiar, like MS is an autoimmune condition where your immune system is attacking, in particular, the, the myelin sheath. So our nerves are wrapped in a casing, I guess we could say, almost like the skin on a sausage, maybe. Yes. And the immune system is attacking that part of it. But uh, it, in the brain, what specifically is, is it? You know, when we talk about a lesion. What are we talking about there?
1: Like what is a lesion?
0: Yeah. What's a lesion? And You say like a lesion on the brain sounds like a pretty terrifying thing. What what are we talking about there?
1: It's inflammation.
0: Okay. So just, just uh, it's cause I don't know. I'm like displaying like how I don't exactly know as much about anatomy as I like to think I do. I'm like, <laughs> is there myelin in the brain or is there only myelin around the nerves, you know? And, and like, does MS, cause you say lesions in the brain, is is the EMS like also attacking part of your brain? Is is there parts of your brain that are potentially being compromised, or is it only nerves throughout your your body?
1: Well, it's the the brain and the spinal cord. So okay. I think of it like like a, a cord, like a, the wire on a cord. So the wire's frayed, right? So then mm-hmm. from your brain and to your spinal cord, like they aren't being transmitted. Um, they're broken. It's broken. So I don't know what a, like a lesion is per se. I guess.
0: Okay. So, so it's confirmed. Okay. Yes. We now confirm that you have MS. So as this kind of sinking in, you know, and wh- what's it like for you and what's it like for your husband? Uh, cause I got to imagine that's like a, we got to sit down and have a talk about like what this might actually look like. We have to come to terms with the reality of what, what we're now encountering here.
1: Yeah. I, I remember when he said those, the, the, the neurologist, he, cause you know, they say big words, they say things like I couldn't quite understand. So my husband said, he said, so she has MS. And he said, yes, she has MS. And I just remember I, I just, my head, I just hung my head. I cried and I don't stop. Don't think I stopped crying for weeks after that. And it was all kind of a blur after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Kind of going into this sort of emotional protective response, really. Of like this feels too overwhelming to shut down. So, you know, you kind of move more into sort of this this primal state of just survival right now as you're trying to grasp because you're you're young. So now you're trying to grasp the significance of how what is my life going to look like yeah. moving forward.
1: Yeah. And the irony of the timing. So I had just my last day at investors group was June twenty eighth. And then I was going to go on my own, you know, with my business. And this Mm -hmm. was like, okay, this is me being, you know, I've been working for my dad for 10 years under his wing. And now I'm going to go on my own. And I started with, you have MS. So it's like, you know, I had this, what I wanted to become, you know, what I wanted to do for myself. And I just felt like, you know, when you, you have MS now and it's, you know, you just think that you can't do what you, what you had set out to do and what you wanted to do with your life. You know, I had these dreams, I had these aspirations and now I just have MS.
0: Right. Were, were, were you going to go out on your own as a financial planner? Was that, no, is that I, your friend, I, or, or as a person trainer?
1: Yeah. My online coaching business.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you said I'm I'm going to become an online coach and I've, I've got my business to the place where, where I can do this. And then all of a sudden you have MS. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty heavy to, to kind of sit with and try to process what, what helped you get through that?
1: (laughs) Time. I think, you know, at first I was very, it almost, it sounds weird if if you don't, if you've never been in that place, but I was embarrassed. You know, I was, I didn't want anyone to know that I had MS because I felt like I was broken. And Especially like I want to be this like strong, this, you know, this, this confident woman for, to lead other women in my business, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, you know, want them to be something where now I just, I just have MS. And I, yeah, I just remember being embarrassed and I didn't tell, I told uh, my close, c- close people around me and that was it because I didn't want anyone else to know.
0: Yeah. what And I think that's a natural place to get to. At first we recognize I think even even then, you know, because you're still relatively young, young enough that, you know, let me put myself sell old. <laughs> like you stack on another decade of life experience and you go, OK, like this is life doesn't quite go maybe the way that we imagined our dreams and we sort of become OK with it. But, you know, you're still at the this is the early stage that this is exciting. There's big plans, big plans on what you want to accomplish. And then uh, and then there's kind of these expectations that go with it. And then you go, how are people going to perceive me yeah. if, you know, because you didn't ask for MS. You didn't put up your hand and be like, "Hey, you know what? I think I'd, I think I'd like to have MS and just really make life challenging." You know, um, yeah. So you feel a sense of embarrassment, kind of not wanting to tell anybody. What uh, what shifted for you? Where you go? Okay, I need to. I need to talk about this. I need to. I need to say this in public and and let this be heard.
1: I think it was just important to me that I, you know, I shared because I am a very open person. You know, and mm-hmm. I felt like I was. I was just keeping this big secret and, you know, and I don't, don't even know. It took a lot of courage for me to share. I had actually made that post. Um, the, like the the post that I had put out into the universe, I guess, um, I had made it within the first week of getting diagnosed and it was something that I just sat on, um, for like six months until Mm -hmm. I was ready to share it. And I don't even know what it, what made me want to, finally put it out there. Um, But I just felt like a weight had been lifted off of my shoulder. I felt like the secret that I had been hiding um, was just, was just out there now.
0: Yeah. There's something really beautiful about that because, you know, uh, and and this isn't necessarily about me, but in like my own story, there's been things that I've grappled with and struggled with. and And I definitely can enter into that experience of like, if people find out this flaw about me, they're going to look at me differently. Yeah. But what's been really interesting in my experiences is like when people find out, because so I I'd I say anything that I'm afraid that people are going to find out, I'm going to be the first one to talk about it. And then let people decide, because I then I get to frame how people receive it, at least. And uh, so, yeah, to, to get out there and to share that. So I really just want to like acknowledge your courage in doing that and getting out there and sharing it. And the fact is, you, you know, probably when you first shared it, I imagine a ton of support comes your way, you know, Please. like yeah, you, you have this idea, like, I'm going to share this and, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? They're going to judge me. And we have all these ideas about it and then you do it. And then all of a sudden, whoom, this flood of support comes in, which in one sense is really positive. Although I, I've likened it to, um, saying I'm thirsty and getting, you know, 500 glasses of water thrust at you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, super overwhelming. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't, that wasn't why I did it. I wasn't wanting people to, you know, pity me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just it was very unexpected to the amount of support that I got from it. Not to mention the the MS community is like, it's not a it's not a group a club that I, you want to be a part of. But it's like a it's they're so accepting. Everyone's just you know it's a very good community to be mm-hmm. in. Um, there's
0: something about I don't know could we say there's something about hardship that really bring can or has the potential to bring something really beautiful out of the human spirit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think that, you know, enough time has passed where I can look back and be like, this isn't something that happened to me. It was something that happened for me. You know, I was able to show myself what I am capable of because, you know, leading up to that diagnosis, there was a lot of things where I wasn't confident in my body. I wasn't confident in the kind of person that I was. I was almost like I was standing on one foot, you know, with all of the, the things that I was going on with physically right. and mentally. Um and yeah, so now I just showed myself what I'm capable of. And, you know, every day I get to continue to do that. And not everyone is given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a cool opportunity to have. And I like, it kind of sounds morbid, but I think that you have to make the best out of the situation in your circumstances um, to show what you're truly capable of. And if you can inspire people along the way, that's just an added bonus.
0: Yeah. You said something really interesting there. You said, I didn't really, really feel like confident in my own body. And, you know, like an outside observer would see like, you know, you, you obviously train very hard. You have a very aesthetic physique. You know, you're an attractive young lady. Um, and yet you felt like you didn't have, uh, you, you, you were lacking confidence. Was there a standard that you were comparing yourself to? You know, because sometimes someone who has maybe has a really competitive nature, you you always, you, you find yourself comparing yourself to people or things or images or ideals that are further advanced than you are. But that that can have a really interesting effect on our psyche because it's always like we never quite measure up. Would that be where that maybe lack of confidence came from? Or, or
1: well, it was. You know, I couldn't I couldn't do things like I used to be able to. So I was comparing myself to my old self.
0: Ah, right. Okay.
1: And I wasn't that person anymore, and I felt, I yeah, it, it kind of like yeah, I just stripped my confidence, and I just felt like I was just. Like I said, the best analogy is just like I'm like a balancing on one leg.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: just unsure of myself and who I am. And you know, and there's a lot of cognitive things that come with MS. And so mm. um and not to mention the mental health side of it as well. And I feel like I've yeah all of it. So it's a lot. It's a lot to have to work through every single day. But I know that I can because I've been doing it and
0: improving and <laughs> the- it in real yeah, life, yeah. yeah.
1: And the other thing, too, that has kind of I don't want to say helped me, but because it took so long for me to get diagnosed and I continued to live my life like just as I normally would because I didn't know. Right. So then fast forward to getting diagnosed. It's like, OK, well, what's going to change? What? Why does anything have to change? I'm still going to do what I was going to do before. Mm-hmm. If I want to prep for another competition, I will prep for another competition because I did, too, while I was dealing with MS. You know, it's kind of like it's just. It just, you have to work a little bit, not a little bit, you have to, you have to work harder and you can still accomplish what you wanted to accomplish before. It's just more challenging.
0: You might have to work a little, like also the cliche, but like work smarter. In other words, probably if you're going to do something that you have to factor into, okay, this is going to be stressful and I have to really manage the degree of stress that I experience especially you have to manage it differently than somebody who doesn't have MS, because we know that stress can cause autoimmunity to be more severe and how it flares up. So I'm kind of curious then, you know, we have this, maybe this, you had this idea of how your life was going to go. And then of course, this life-changing diagnosis happens and you realize, okay, my life isn't going to go the way that I thought. Was there a period of time where you felt like you kind of had to grieve the future that you aren't going to have?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, It was the whole. It honestly, I think that it was a part of the 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 process of accepting it. You know, you have the grieving stage of who you were before. You're not that person Mm -hmm. anymore, and you're not the person that you thought you were going to be. But that doesn't mean that that person that you're going to be is is not as isn't as good or as capable. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You
1: just have a different hand of cards that you initially thought you had. And that's life, right? Life doesn't just go as we, as we plan it, you know, things happen and it's all about how you deal with them and how you move through.
0: So you're faced with quite a few different challenges. And like I said, I think one of them is being young and being diagnosed at a young age because MS is like a slow progression for, for many people. And because it's, I'm not sure if it's, if you have, um, cause I know there's multiple varieties, MS is an umbrella term because there's a number of different varieties and maybe actually we could just hit pause and say, um, what, what form of MS do you have?
1: The relapsing remitting. So that's like, I think the most common form.
0: Yeah. I was going to, I was going to throw that name out there. I, I actually recently interviewed another lady who has MS and I think I've actually con- maybe connected you to her name. Yes. Uh, Her name is Leanne, Leanne Stickles. So for those listening, she's a few episodes back on on this podcast. You also, she's a triathlete and a really, really beautiful human spirit and a really cool story as well. Um, So, you know, you go through this process of kind of grieving and actually you frame it in a really, really beautiful way. Like, you know, your hand of cards, like it it changes, Um, but that doesn't mean who you're going to become is anything less than who you might have become. And in fact, because you're going through, because I say that I've never met a remarkable person who had an easy life. That's something I just, I find myself saying so many times. And that's why I want to, I love sharing stories like this because there's something in it. It's like, I think in life, there's a temptation to want to shy away from the hard experiences, shy away from the discomfort of it. So you're juggling, you know, a future where this disease is not going to go away there's a very good chance it's going to continue to progress at some rate or another. And certain abilities might start to be slowly taken away from you. Yeah. So there's that progressive nature to it. Then there's sort of the, the mental health struggle that comes along with it. There's the times you try to do things and maybe your brain doesn't, or your, or your body doesn't respond the way that you want it to. Um, there's your husband who has committed his, his life to you and, and, and thinking like, what is this going to look like in terms of the partner that I'm going to need to support as life goes on and so on. And, and, you know, you don't have to share anything you don't want to, but I'm kind of curious, like, what have these conversations, if you feel like sharing, if you feel comfortable sharing, I should say, what have these conversations looked like with kind of you and your husband talking about what this future might look like?
1: Well, I think that, and maybe this is just how I accept the cards that I've been dealt, but I think that, you know, something that kind of helps me get through the hard days is like, I just remind myself that you're only given what you can handle, right? Mm -hmm. And not just me, but, you know, I couldn't have a better partner to be walking through this experience with than him because he's so strong and he's strong physically. He's strong emotionally. He's like truly my backbone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he's just like, yeah, whatever happens, we'll just, we'll deal with it because that's what we do. You know, it's not about what happens. It's about how you respond to it and what you can control. And so, yeah, we've had m- numerous conversations and he's just proves to me every every day that that you know if I'm gonna have to take this on with anyone I'm glad it's him
0: yeah that, that that's amazing and he sounds like a true coach
1: he is he is
0: <laughs> he's like a, he's like a born coach
1: yeah tell yeah, him to stop coaching me <laughs> uh,
0: that that's amazing and you know I, I think you also said something else really important hard days. So because people will see like what you share on social media and most of the time it's really positive and it's really inspirational. I think there's value in sharing that because we want to show people something aspirational, something that we can aspire to. We want to show them what is possible by showing like our best moments, but you still have hard days. What do those hard days look like?
1: Oh man. (laughs) So for me, it's the fatigue and that comes most days. You know, it's like You just, and uh, fatigue isn't even the right term. It just doesn't do it justice. It's like, unless it's like debilitating fatigue. And, you know, so thankfully I'm in control of my own schedule. You know, I can schedule in naps. Um, I don't take on too much. Um, I make exercise a non negotiable because that is Mm -hmm. one way that I can fight back to this disease. You know, in the hard days, it's the, you know, it's the depression that comes with it, it's the feeling like you can't get out of bed or your legs are just heavy. And, just again like that fatigue and yeah and unfortunately those days happen more often than the good days and but it's just you know it's kind of the way you just adapt be that it just feels like my new normal
0: Mhm. So and you mentioned the the depression. And again, you know, these are all things that we none of us ask for. We don't ask to experience no I've not met a single person who put them, their hands up and said I'd like to experience this. And I imagine and you you can you can clarify, but I just imagine that there's times where there's literally nothing that you can do. You have the desire to do something, but now you're in this let's say you you're being crippled by fatigue. Um you're laying in bed, your body's not doing what it wants and you, you know, the capabilities that you used to have, and you want to do something, but there's actually nothing that you can do. In those moments, how do you navigate that? What do you do? Take a nap? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, I say no more than I used to and know that it's okay. You know, and I think it's like, I think a lot of us can relate to just, you know, if someone asks you to do something, you, you say yes, you know, not saying no, Mm -hmm. And knowing that it's okay to say no sometimes.
0: Yeah. I think there's an analogy. I wish I could remember where it came from, but it's about like spoons. Mm Mm-hmm and I think someone was talking about some sort of maybe a chronic fatigue type illness and they just used like a bunch of spoons to illustrate. Like I only have so many spoons in my hand and every time I give one away, I have this one less. And when I'm out of spoons, I'm out of, am out of energy kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, my handful of spoons is smaller than yours. I think they must've just been in a restaurant and they just grabbed a bunch yeah. of coffees. Yeah. But I was like, somehow that's sticking with me. I wish I could. So if anybody knows when he was listening or watching, I'd love to hear if you know, like where this analogy comes from, but it's it's like that we only get so many spoons. And so, I think you might actually get almost there might almost be like a little bit of a gift in here in that you get to choose like what to focus on. It's like this is the thing I want. This is the thing that is most deserving of my energy and my attention, my finite energy and attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. That, that analogy that with the spoons, that's, that's exactly it. You know, you don't have as much energy as a healthy person or whatever you want to call that um, mm. yeah, so you just have to be very selective of where it is you put your energy. And like I said, not feeling bad about saying no, because it's about you and your health. And it's not about yeah. other people. And no one will understand unless they live with it.
0: Right. And I think this really speaks to you getting very clear on your worth. Like, so you become comfortable with saying no, because you go, uh, "I'm I'm worth this. It's, you know, and those who truly value you will understand
1: yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where I still have to you know I still have those conversations in my head like I trying to justify that it's okay that I said no, you know, but it, I think it gets easier a little bit, but yeah, it's like you said you're you have to put your worth and your yourself first,
0: yeah, so you are you know you are an online trainer. And, uh, if people want to know more about what you do, cause you're, you're, you know, you're an amazing inspiration. You, you work, you still work very, very hard. And this is kind of one of the ways I think you touched on that you fight back against this condition is you put yourself, you make yourself as strong as possible, best possible physical condition. Um, do you, and do you do anything nutritionally, any, any sort of particular nutritional focus that helps support this as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know that dairy is very inflammatory, same with gluten. So I tend to, you know, cut those out of my diet, um, eat mainly whole foods, um, low inflammatory, um, lots of fruits and vegetables.
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting because like, it's like you think about that the, basically the, the diet, your daily diet is one that probably just what everybody would really benefit from adopting, but you, maybe the choice, you, like you have less sort of choice and flexibility because it's like, should I choose to eat something that doesn't fall into this category? I pay a heavier price.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm going to pay for it the next day. I'm going to feel it. Mostly. I just feel it in my joints. Um, it feels so like exactly. you
0: got like arthritis or something.
1: Yeah, like yeah, exactly. So I just, you know, it's a pretty good reason not to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so if people want to, want to get in touch with you, they're like, Hey, wow, I'm really inspired by your story. I'd, I'd love to know more. Um, maybe, I want, maybe they want to interview you. Um, cause you've, you know, I, I just, I want to acknowledge like you've been really wonderful and open in terms of oh, sharing, exploring this, you know, um, where, where do people find you?
1: Yeah, in, I'm very active on Instagram. That's probably my number one platform. Um, you can find me on there.
0: And what's your Instagram handle?
1: Oh, it's Steph with two H's and then O'Leary, no apostrophe, obviously.
0: So is the second H for an initial or is it just in order oh, to get the handle?
1: Just in order to get the handle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so S-T-E-P-H-H-O-Leary. There we go. That's awesome. They can find you on Instagram. Well, so if you were to take, so we've t- we've covered quite a bit today. And if you were to kind of take what we've shared and just maybe condense into it, just a piece of actionable advice that people could take away from this, maybe apply to their own life. Um, what would you like to share with people?
1: You know, I think that when you feel like you're up against whatever your circumstances are, just know that you're stronger than you think and you can get through what it is you're going through and just know that we all have our stuff. Stuff,
0: mm-hmm. at least. <laughs> yes yeah yeah
1: make you stronger
0: like it takes and it takes these experiences to show us what we're actually capable of so yeah well thank you so much steph it's been an absolute pleasure it's been a delight to to reconnect and uh, you know i always love it when i get to interview another canadian as well so thank you for being so generous with your time and sharing your story
1: yes thank you so much john for having me It it was a pleasure
0: thank you so much for tuning in to between the before and after If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, or leave a review because that helps this podcast to reach and inspire more people. I love exploring the stories that take place between the before and after, the powerful experiences that shape who we become. And I love human potential. I love the possibilities that lie within us. So whatever you may be up against, I hope these stories inspire you because if you're still here, your story's not done yet. So keep moving forward.
1: Anyone can come from any place of brokenness and destitution and build an amazing life.